Welcome to the Seller Roundtable e-commerce coaching and business strategies with Andy Arnott and Amy Wees. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Seller Roundtable number 67. This is Andy Arnott with... Amy Wees. And we are super excited to have Henson Wu on today. Henson is from Feedback Wiz. He is a Feedback Wiz. His company is Feedback Wiz. And he's going to give us all his uh, great tips and tricks and uh, all the fun stuff that you guys are going to be able to learn from him today. Welcome, Henson. Thanks for being on. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on today. Really happy to be here. Join you guys. All right, Henson. So we like to start the episode with uh, getting to know our guests a little bit more, you know, rather than, you know, just what people see on, on uh, Facebook with, you know, your business posts and things like that. Um, if you don't mind sharing, you know, share as little or, or as much as you like, uh, you know, where you're born, where you live now, past jobs, college, school, kind of any, anything you want to share in terms of somebody, uh, you know, getting to know Henson. Sure. Yeah. Um, I was born in California in San Jose. And I pretty much grew there, grew up there my whole life. I went to um, high school and then for college, I went down in Santa Barbara. So I lived there for four years. And then I moved back home, uh, did two years of grad school back in Santa Clara. And then uh, ultimately um, studied uh, electrical computer engineering in college. So that was you know, pretty much my major. And you know, in an Asian family, it's, it's kind of funny because your parents, make you choose right doctor lawyer engineer you have no other choices you know pretty much so i was kind of forced into this field um you know as as a kid i i was more into like i don't know like art i guess and some other you know activities but ended up in this field which was which was okay for me because you know i i was able to get through it and you know i didn't have that much passion but it was enjoyable for me to go go do it so um so yeah, after grad school, started working uh, high tech corporate, worked about 13 years and it was good life. You know, it's like, it's your typical Silicon Valley job. And if you guys watch like Silicon Valley um, TV show, it's funny, right? So if you guys actually work in that environment, it's kind of similar, right? It's like, it's, it's kind of like funny. There's a lot of very unique people that work with you. But after a while, it gets a little boring because you know, you just kind of work for a company. You don't have too much like say on how you want to do things, right? So, um, but the good thing was during this whole time, I was, you know, learning, doing side gigs, um, selling on eBay, selling on Amazon, trading stocks. So I, I, I learned a lot of things while working 95 corporate. And uh, one, of the, one of the biggest things I learned was pretty much just selling e-commerce, right? So back in eBay, I actually started selling that, uh, selling on eBay back in 1999 when I was actually in high school. Um, I remember like some of the first things I sold was uh, PlayStation, uh, PlayStation 1 games, which back then uh, first, uh, I don't know if you guys remember the CD burners when they first came out. You can actually copy those games. And then eBay was like Wild Wild West. You can pretty much sell anything on there. There's like no restrictions, right? So uh, me and my buddy we were selling copied video games on eBay, and it became very, very profitable because you know basically one dollar for a CD, you buy a burner, three hundred dollars. Um, you know, of course it wasn't legal, but you know, um, but after a while, you know they shut it down. But that's kind of my first experience on you know how to do e-commerce. I was like, wow, you can actually buy a product, sell it, um, and then I started getting into more drop shipping. I did some wholesale. 
And then in 2013, 2014, 2015, I started on Amazon. And because of my family, um, my, my wife, their family runs like a wholesale manufacturing business. Uh, we started um, selling products on Amazon in the clothing industry. So build a brand, you know, 2013, Amazon was right about to start taking off. And this is kind of where, um, you know, eBay was still the giant. Right. And then people were just starting to figure out, okay, I can start doing private label. So we started doing that. It did, it did really well back then because clothing was pretty easy to sell. Anything you launch pretty much gets on page one within a few weeks. You know, there's a lot of different, you know, black hat strategies you can do that you obviously can't do anymore these days, but it was very easy to rank. There was no, um, there was no PPC back then. So, <clears throat> so business did really well. Um, it was really until like about 2015 when I started getting more competitive and launching products started becoming extremely expensive. So with clothing, imagine, um, you can't just have one style. You need to have thousands of styles, right? So I literally had like my inventory, I had like maybe three or 4,000 SKUs in there with different styles, different colors, different sizes, right? Managing it, it was just, it's just nightmare, right? Getting reviews, um, you know, inventory, dealing with the returns, clothing, 25, 20, 25% return rate. People buy all three sizes, return two of them. You know, if you're lucky, you break even. So it was, it was tough. You know, it's just a logistic point of view, trying to scale. Um, so that's kind of where, you know, I decided, hey, look, there's, there's a lot of software out there where you got to use these softwares to help you grow, right? And uh, that's when I got together with uh, Aaron's, our other co-founder, and we decided, hey, let's start, let's start do, writing up some software for my own business to see if we can start generating um, feedback, reviews, um, communication, right, automation. Uh, back then, there wasn't too many competitors. There was only a few companies out there. There wasn't that many tools like there are today. So we started building some tools, and then at some point, we were like, hey, you know, we could build stuff that's a lot better than what's out there. Um, so we were working nine to five, building tools, going to sleep at 3 a.m., waking up at, you know, seven, getting four hours a day after a while, you know, having kids. It was, it was, it was crazy, you know. But, um, you know, we got through all of that. We launched Feedback Ways in 2017. Um, you know, it was something brand new. We had a lot of features no one else had. Uh, back then, we actually had the first review matching feature, which is, you know, any review that someone wrote. We took in the back end, connected it back to the order. Right away, you know if this person wrote a review or not. If you wrote a bad review, you can automate sending messages. Um, of course, all that good stuff is gone now because Amazon, you know, cracks down on a lot of these um, loopholes, right? Um, so, yeah, that's kind of the background of, you know, where I came from, how we started, and how Feedback Ways grew. Yeah, I love that. Henson, uh, I didn't realize your, your background. I like that the, the timeline is pretty similar <laughs> to, to what mine was, right? So starting in like 2012, I think 2011 is when we opened the account, but didn't start actually selling like 2012. Before that, when I was in high school uh, or in college, actually, so a little older than you, I was selling on eBay and cut, that was kind of my first uh, in 99, 2000, kind of like right around when you're talking about. Uh, so similar timeline, that's, that's pretty interesting. And then of course, you know, doing the software thing, uh, staying up till 4am with kids, all that. <laughs> I remember, like I said, it, it's, uh, it sounds familiar, 
But um, yeah, it, it's interesting because yeah, early on, uh, you know, back in those days, like you said, it was it, Amazon was was a lot more fun. Even though you 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 know the hijacking and all that was a real big issue back then, it was hard to deal with that. But besides that, though, it was like you know how fast can you spin up new products, right? The the more products you could spin up, the more success you would do just because, uh, you know, like you said, if you were, had any type of technical background, SEO background, you know, which I had, it was like, you know, taking candy from a baby <laughs> in terms of getting ranked and things like that. The game's definitely changed uh, now, but there, you know, as long as you stay up on what's working, you know, it still can be that way because there's so many people, uh, like you said, Henson, you know, if they're not, if you're not utilizing tools for your Amazon business, somebody else is most likely your competitor and that's why they're beating you. So it's interesting to, uh, to get that point of view. One of the biggest things that's come out in terms of, you know, uh, feedback and things like that was the Amazon uh, feedback request button, right? Which is now uh, built into the dashboard, which I'm sure initially you guys were kind of taken aback by that, you know, cause it's sort of, you know, what you guys are doing. I know you do so much more, um, you know, do you think that's a good solution for people? And if not, why? Um, it's absolutely a good solution because um, for certain sellers, the, the biggest problem that happened in the last six months was that Amazon started to crack down more on buyer-seller messaging. Uh, the way, the type of communication you send out, the way you ask for reviews, the number of reviews you sent, um, they had all these policies actually in place for many years. It's just they never enforced it, you know, until recently. And and their main, the main reason they wanted to enforce it was to try to cut down on all the, you know, the nonsense that sellers are sending to buyers. And then buyers are just like, they don't want to see all this spam, right? They kind of consider it as spam. So they came out with this solution where it's very simple, right? It's all they have to do is click a button. It, it's like a, a temp, templated email from Amazon. It comes from Amazon. It's legit. You don't have to worry about getting suspended. Um, and you know, it's, it's really easy to use, especially for the beginning seller. Um, so definitely um, sellers have been seeing pretty good success with it. And one of the main reasons really is that because there's a separate opt-out list right now. So uh, with buyer-seller messaging, with any type of communication with Amazon, if you didn't know, uh, there's actually a uh, communication section within the seller central that you can actually, or the buyer side of sell, uh, Amazon, where you can opt out and say, I don't want to receive any messages from the, the seller, right? So with buyer-seller messaging, a lot of <clears throat> a lot of buyers opted out, so they can't they can't receive these messages anymore. And then when they launched the review request button, um, there's still an opt-out list, but it's a different list. So it's kind of like they resetted the whole thing. So now, if you're sending it out, most of the people are going to receive that message, right? And then they have the opportunity to say, "Hey, do I want to opt out? Do I want to keep getting it?" So, so the initial the initial release is really good because they, you know, most, most of these messages are getting through. Yeah, that's, that, that's interesting. I, on that note though, I mean, you know, a review, the review button is just like a click, click. It's a manual thing. You know, it works like you said, but um, you know, I know that feedback ways has a lot more intelligence built in, in terms of kind of, you know, if somebody's, uh, you know, familiar with like Zapier or if then that, you know, like kind of like if things happen, do this kind of, more of that type of intelligence. So what are you guys doing at feed, Feedback Ways in terms of the feedback and how to help people you know, uh, you know, get better results? So with Feedback Ways, we've always um, you know, <clears throat> been telling people, let's do 
customized emails because with customized emails, you have the ability to brand, right? If you have a brand, you can throw it inside the email template. You can customize your subject line to get higher conversion rates, right? With the review request button, you can't do these kind of things, right? It's whatever Amazon provides to, you know, whatever they want to show. And the problem is it becomes a little dull after a while because if, if you're buying on Amazon, you're going to get one of these. It's always going to look the same. And after a while, you're just going to be like, oh, it's that email again, right? So then you start overlooking it. So I think over time, um, the value of the, buyer, uh, the review requests is going to start diminishing little by little, you know, just like how Amazon used to automate the feedback section. Um, now with feedback ways, we actually have a solution now for the review request button. So we can actually now automate it with what you used to do with um, buyer seller messaging. So what I mean by automate it is um, traditionally what we do is we have a lot of data coming in for your orders. So we can see like, you know, did this person uh, leave you a seller feedback? Did they return a product, right? Uh, there's a lot of data points that come in for the order. And then from the campaign side, you have the ability to either target or exclude these type of orders. Um, so one of the other downsides that we've seen with the review request button is that because you don't have this extra data coming in, a lot of times, you know, people with like, for example, if I was selling clothing and a quarter of my uh, sales were return or refund orders, obviously there is an issue with most of those return refunds. And I probably don't want to ask those people for reviews, right? right? So I'm sending it out to every single person. What you're going to end up noticing is that, yes, my review, um, my review rate is going to go up. My negative review rate is also going to go up along with my positive, right? And that's one of the solutions with feedback was, was like, hey, we wanted to, you know, help sellers to eliminate asking for those kind of orders. So now with this solution we have, you can now incorporate the campaign settings with, you know, let's say I don't want to send it to anyone who returned a refund of my order. They can also use a review request button at, uh, together in tandem, which makes it really great. And, you know, there's no Chrome extensions. There's no external programs you're running. You can send it any time of day, right? That was one of the other issues too, is when do you actually send it, right? Because someone has to go in there, manually click it, right? And depending on, you know, there's, there's different strategies on like, what's the best time to send? Some people say 7 a.m., 8 a.m., 6 p.m., right? Depends. So you have the ability now to configure these settings and automate it, yeah. That's awesome. awesome. So what other methods would you recommend for increasing <laughs> review rates? You've talked about kind of using the re review request button. Everybody has this big problem of, you know, how do I get more reviews? Do you have any other methods you can recommend? <clears throat> yeah, so I've been um, talking with some of these bigger sellers recently, and they've actually been using a hybrid version. So what I mean by hybrid is they're actually using both buyer-seller messaging and the review question together. Now, the rule says that you can only send uh, one review request per order, right? So how would you use both of them together? Now, <clears throat> Amazon still allows you to use buyer-seller messaging to ask for reviews, or send uh, critical information pertaining to the order, right? Necessary to complete the order. So you can still communicate. It's not a problem with that. As long as you send information that's relevant to what they're buying. So a lot of sellers, what they're doing is they're using buyer-seller messaging to attach a PDF file in the very beginning of the order. So right when the order ships, they might send them some information on the product, like how to use it, how to take care of it, warranty information. 
So within that first uh, email, you know, you can still communicate with them and say like, you know, by the way, we're sending you some information about this product. If there's any issues or questions you have, you guys can respond to us. And you're not asking for reviews or feedback or anything like that, no, in the, that email. You're just attaching a file, giving them information. And this is actually perfectly legal. There's, you know, lots of big companies doing it with no problems, you know. And then they're using the review request button because they don't want to deal with um, that 30-day restriction. Sometimes Amazon flags your account if you send too many emails. And then you're using the review request button as a secondary you know, after five, uh, five to 30 day window after it's been delivered to ask for reviews. Ah, and they so a it, little strategy to so a little strategy. wait a little while. So first yeah. you start out with that seller messaging, buyer seller messaging, where you're just providing that value up front and helping increase and uh, impact the user experience and, exactly. you know, getting, getting them to reach out to you if there's any problems, that kind of thing. And then after 30 days when you can no longer message them you're requesting a review and since feedback was is telling us oh this is somebody who who hasn't returned who hasn't had a problem with it um that's a great strategy awesome yeah it's, it's great because um if there's any issues that first email can sometimes cover it right a lot of a lot of times people return products because they don't know how to use it or they have questions they don't know how to reach out to you so building that initial contact is within terms of service, is providing customer support, it's making everyone happy. And then if you wanna play on the safe side, you can use a review request button because you know, Amazon's totally okay with you doing that. You have no issues with gaining any type of restrictions. So um, it. it's, a, it's a great strategy people are doing right now that a lot of people aren't aware of. So can we talk about buyer messaging and feedback as a whole? Like what are Amazon's current policies? As you mentioned something about, you know, you can only send one email, you know, what kind of things can people attach? What is today's strategy for messaging? Yeah. So for the people that are still using buyer seller messaging to ask for reviews, um, it's hundred percent legal. It's, it's perfectly fine. You just have to understand what you can and can't do. Uh, the biggest thing really is when you're asking for reviews, it has to be in a very neutral type of banner. Like you can't incentivize them or say, hey, you know, please leave me a five-star feedback or a five-star review. Or if you had any issues with the product, please contact me first before leaving a review. So you're not trying to steer them away from leaving, um, you know, a positive review, right? So the message has to be very clear, concise, and it has to be very neutral. And you can only send one message now before um, people would set up like these sequences where they would hit them, you know, two days after it's been delivered and then hit them again three days later and then hit them again 10 days later. So Amazon has really cut, cut that out and said um, for each order, you can only send one review or feedback request. So if you're asking for reviews or seller feedback, you have to combine them together. You can't send like one separate uh, review, you can't send one separate feedback. So is that just one email total that Amazon allows now? So whether or not you're asking for feedback, you mentioned um, you can send an email right after they buy the product if you're sending them information about the product. So if you, if you use a strategy where you first send them information and then can you send another email that asks for feedback, how does that work? What are the total emails that you can send and what are some strategies outside of reviews, just general, you know, sending emails, what are some strategies that people are using that are relevant right now with the rules? 
As far as I know, the only restriction is that you can only send one review request per order, but that doesn't mean you can't send multiple emails to them. So you, you definitely can still send that first email with the order information and then ask for a review on the second email. But uh, in our experience, the best thing to do is don't send more than two emails because um, you know, Amazon is using some kind of algorithm right now to detect the type of messages, the quantity of messages you're sending out. And anytime, um, if you send too many emails, you can trigger something. And if it triggers, basically it shuts down your capability to send proactive messages for 30 days. And then you have to wait 30 days for it to reset. And then you have to figure out what did I do wrong? So the best thing to do is, I, I usually tell people, if you're selling a product and you don't have any good information to send them, don't even send them that first email because it's not worth it. Just send them one email to ask for reviews only. Now, the email, the, the strategy I was talking about with the hybrid is you need to have something that's valuable to give to them. If you're sending an email with attachment of marketing for your other products or, you know, link to your website, like, forget it. You're, you're going to get flagged uh, very easily. So definitely don't do that. So in terms of marketing, though, are there any types of strategies that we can use in those emails? So have you seen, um, can we combine marketing with those review request messages is what kind of marketing are people sending that's actually working and that is not getting flagged? Yeah, I, I personally haven't seen much marketing that doesn't get flagged <clears throat> because Amazon really cracked down and said, buyer seller messaging is not for marketing. It's really just for customer service and then asking for reviews or feedback. That's pretty much it. Like, you know, so what if I provide a guide for the product that I'm selling, right? I'm providing information about the product. And in that PDF, I have my logo at the bottom and a Facebook, you know, tag there, something like that. Is that okay um, to mention your website, but not drive people to it if it's just like in your footer or something or part of your logo? Yeah, logos are definitely okay. Now, if you put any type of link in there, that could that's a big question mark. Like I've seen a lot of people do it and they're getting away with it just because I think uh, with PDF attachments, it's harder for Amazon to detect it, right? Unless someone reports you or they, someone manually goes in there, downloads your PDF, scans it and says, Hey, this is against TOS. Then you might get caught for it. But in general, yeah, people still do it. You know, people, um, I still see people send three review request emails. And some of these guys don't get flagged at all. It's just, it's, it's weird, right? I just, and then there's some people that, um, you know, try to follow all the rules and they're doing nothing wrong and they still get flagged, right? It's, it's just, it's crazy, right? And then sometimes they have to talk to Amazon and then they have to bring up a case that, hey, I'm not doing anything wrong. And then they have to review it. So I think it's more of a case to case basis. And then even with the, um, if you go on the Seller Central where it has the um, buyer seller messaging rules and terms of service, that page is constantly changing. Meaning there's, there's language that's put in there and then next week the language just pulled out, right? So it's like, what's up with that, right? So, so you know- on I, top of it is what you're saying, like you, we should be checking those things on a should, regular you basis. Sh you should be checking because the rules are constantly changing, but also the rules are always also very vague. And the reason it's vague is because Amazon um, doesn't want to impose very strict rules for everybody because different types of products, different sellers, they have different reasons to use buyer seller messaging. For example, like, you know, the important tag, 
if you put the important, uh, if you put bracket, important bracket inside your subject line, that what that does is it bypasses the opt-outs, right? And some people don't know about it, but a lot of people knew about it back then and they were actually uh, using that to your advantage to bypass the opt-outs. Now that's placed in there for specific sellers that have products where the buyer needs to respond and gives them information. For example, if I'm selling like a customized tag or something where they need to tell me what, what do you want me to print for you, right? They, you have to get that communication through. So they can't set specific rules for everybody. That's why it's kind of like an open-ended kind of book where you just have to kind of navigate and figure out, okay, this is what I can get away with what I'm selling, but I can't go too far. Those are going to get suspended. So I always like, I always like to use in this, in this case, like uh, I've, I've told this before about product inserts guys is uh, I, I say email seller support with what you want to do. You want, you know, if you say like, Hey, you know, I've got this product that's extremely difficult, um, you know, to set up. I'd like to send a PDF that explains, you know, how to do it uh, with the important tag, you know, is that acceptable in terms of Amazon? Like I always like to have a ticket uh, so that if you do get, you know, in trouble, you can reference that ticket back. Uh, like Henson was saying, they change the rules all the time. So that might not, it won't be a hundred percent foolproof, but I always like to, to ask, um, you know, rather than like get flagged and then have to deal with, you know, a suspended product or account, um, you know, after the fact. And then in terms of marketing, you know, as we've always said, focus on marketing on your packaging and in your inserts, instead of focusing on that, they're selling, sending emails through Amazon, right? Um, because you're going to be able to, you know, we get a lot of traffic just to our Facebook page and the, all we have is the little alias on there and the Facebook. And for a while I paid for a vanity number where I had like an 800 number and I was like, Hey, if you have any problems, call us at this number. It was in our, in our insert. We never got calls, but people would reach out to us on Facebook, stuff like that. So, you know, it's, it's, I think better to include that right in your packaging. That's okay. That's normal to put that in your packaging, to have your Facebook thing there. It's, yep. it's just, it's not okay to say, Hey, go And this. People always get afraid of this. It's not okay on your insert to be like, go to our website to save 50% on your next purchase, because yep. that is a clear violation. You're driving traffic away from Amazon to you know, to ask them to buy something cheaper over there. No retailer would be happy with that, including Amazon. So don't do things like that, but it's okay to say, you know, visit our website for free product manuals or to sign up for our warranty or something like that, where you're not deliberately trying to drive traffic away from, from Amazon. Thanks for tuning in to part one of this episode. Join us every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for live Q&A and bonus content after the recording at sellerroundtable.com. Sponsored by the ultimate software tool for Amazon sales and growth, sellerseo.com and amazingathome.com.